Okay, campers, rise and shine, and don't forget your booties, because it's cold out there today. It's cold out there every day. What is this, Miami Beach? Not hardly. And you know you can expect hazardous travel later today with that, you know, that uh, blizzard thing. That blizzard thing. That blizzard thing. Oh, well, here's the report. The National Weather Service is calling for a big blizzard thing. Yes, they are, but you know there's another reason why today is especially exciting. Especially cold. Especially cold, okay. But the big question on everybody's lips, on their chap lips, on their chap lips, right? Do you think Phil is going to come out and see his shadow? Punkatani Phil. That's right, woodchuckers. It's Groundhog Day. And so it is. Rise and shine, campers, indeed. Happy Groundhog Day 2020. Punxsutawney Phil has seen his shadow or whatever the one is where we get an early spring. I think I think that means he didn't see his shadow. I don't know. I don't really know what cloud cover on February 2nd has to do with how warm it's going to be in six weeks. But Punxsutawney Phil is wise. I think I read this is the 21st time in the last 100 years that he's predicted in early spring, so that's that's very exciting. It's been a whale of a day already, uh, recording this about 1 p.m. Central Time from uh, my apartment up in Rogers Park, and I woke up at about 4 a.m. today uh, in Austin, Texas, or San Marcos, Texas, to be more specific. Woke up, gathered my things, took off for the airport, Shout out to uh, Walt and Kel for the ride. And uh, took a flight to Chicago, took a couple buses, got some groceries, and came home cooked, meal prepped, and uh, done that. all that. I'm on a full stomach, and it's, it's only 1 p.m., so it's been, uh, been a very efficient start to the day. If you're wondering, hey, Quinn, what were you doing in Texas? I went there for uh, relevant to Groundhog Day uh, for the second annual Bill Murray slash Groundhog Day party um, that my brother Walt and his girlfriend Kelly throw every year for two years now um, down in uh, Austin area and went down there on Friday night after work and came back this morning. I was there for about, oh, I don't know. 30 hours, whatever that math comes out to, 32 hours, something like that, and uh, it was fun, yeah, had a good time, did some hiking, and even got to record a little promo for our Pledge Drive fundraiser, so if you're curious, because uh, a couple of you listening are probably aware that February, February is our Pledge Drive fundraiser month, and you might be thinking, hey, we haven't heard anything, we haven't seen anything, it's February 2nd already, February 3rd, if you're checking this out in the office on Monday morning. And uh, nothing about the Pledge Drive fundraiser yet. Well, I tell you what, I was going to get it set up this past week, and uh, I got kind of called all of a sudden down to Alabama on sort of very last-minute emergency assignment for work. And that's what we're talking about today. So couple couple things going on here. Let me finish this thought, and then we'll talk about what we're going to be talking about today. But um, next week, we're going to be joined by a dear friend of the podcast. Uh, we'll have him on anytime he wants to come on. Ryan Austin English is coming on the podcast to do our Oscars special. The Oscars are next week. It's super early this year. It's kind of throwing off our schedule. But, uh, you know, you just got to improvise and adapt. Then the Saturday after that, which is Saturday, February 15th, one day after Valentine's Day, will be our official third annual Pledge Drive Telethon fundraiser for the podcast. Um, we're excited this year. We're going to have a live stream. We, we did that uh, year one. We're going to bring it back for year three. Uh, this time is also exciting because we have uh, a real rotary telephone that we're going to be using to take calls from you, all the supporters. Uh, so be on the lookout uh, this next week and the week after uh, for an announcement. We filmed a video uh, plugging um, or promoting the Pledge Drive fundraiser, which is really exciting. We got some donor tiers that we're going to be introducing to you, all the fans, and uh, then the actual Pledge Drive fundraiser itself will be uh, will be happening. So lots to come here in February, very busy month. Um, but what's happening today, you might ask. Well, this is going to be 
a crowd pleaser, I think, because from my perspective, one of the uh, Beanhead's favorite things for me to do is just rant. And I, I you know, every week's kind of different. There's usually a rant uh, of some kind, whether major or minor, um, talking about something. But most of my, my episodes these days are not rant-centric. They tend to be about one thing or another. And if I get complaining here and there, then you might get it. But today is purely about ranting. And it was all kicked off by the fact that I had to spend two to three days in Alabama this past week. And boy, I got a lot of thoughts and you're going to be hearing about them. I also took it upon myself to just add some uh, notes, things that were bugging me concerning um, just other things, and it's all written down in my phone. So we're going to jump right into it to give you the, the, the scene here, um, sort of what I was doing. I flew down to Alabama Monday night after work. I actually flew into Atlanta. I stayed in Atlanta or just outside of it on Monday night. Uh, woke up on Tuesday morning, drove to Tuskegee about two hours away, uh, did some hiking around a national forest, um, saw some interesting stuff on my hike, and then worked at Tuskegee on Tuesday night. Uh, then after work on Tuesday night, I drove to Tuscaloosa, which is about another two, two and a half hours. Uh, that's where the Univers- <coughs> University of Alabama is. Worked there on Wednesday. And then after that, drove to Talladega to see the racetracks. I'd never seen it before. And uh, saw it, took a picture, couldn't get very close, but we'll talk about that in a little bit here. Drove back to Tuscaloosa, and then Thursday morning, woke up pretty early, drive to Atlanta, and fly home. That's what I did in Alabama. That's the time I spent there. And I, no lie, I would wake up um, on Tuesday and Wednesday nights while I was sleeping in Alabama with, like, very clear thoughts, uh, rant material in my head. Um, so thankfully, I, you know, my phone's next to me on the nightstand. So I pulled open my notes app, wrote some stuff down. Uh, I haven't looked at the the full note that I've written since uh, I typed a lot of it out in the middle of the night, but we're just going to go with it. And I got a lot of thoughts and I hope you're ready to hear about them. So here we go. Um, okay. So Alabama sucks. And I think we all, we all sort of know that uh, just kind of inherently, but let me tell you some reasons why. Okay, so I, I, I'm single. I'm ready to mingle. Haven't really talked about my dating life much lately. Um, was seeing someone for a couple months, got ghosted, the whole thing. Uh, just a fun, a fun activity, very family-friendly. So, you know, you go down there, you're, you're hot on the, uh, the bumble, the hinge, and you get them in band on Tinder. I think I've told that story, um, but maybe we'll retell it again uh, some other time. So I, I'm killing it on those two apps traditionally. You go down to Alabama, and, you know, you think, okay, when you're going to the right spots, right, because not that Alabama really has good spots for meeting ladies, but if you're going to go somewhere, go to a college town or the big towns. And I was, you know, closest to uh, Birmingham and Montgomery as well and, and drove through each one of those cities. But, man, and I'm going to be doing a lot of overgeneralization in these rants, and that's okay for the sake of argument. The ladies in Alabama were just, I, I swear to God, 75% of the ones I come across just overweight and I'm not saying you're worthless because you're overweight I'm just saying like it's one thing to be like a little overweight but but it works well it's another thing if you're like rocking the mom from Gilbert Grape look or like the the Jesus warrior from that wife swap knockoff trading places I think it was called just just really <sighs> People who don't look like they're that interested in fitness and look like they're a little bit more invested in chicken wings and Mountain Dew. Uh, everyone is like Christian down there and like hardcore Christian. They're putting it in their you know, profiles. They got Bible verses. You got your John 3.16s, your Philippians 4.13s, your um, Exodus 2.9s. I think that's something about circumcision. I don't know. I, I haven't read it in a while. But our Joshua 2.9 maybe. Um, what I, you know, if you're going to put in fun Bible verses, I say go to Revelation, 
get some fire and brimstone and call to action for the fans. What What is brimstone? Because I, like, have an idea. I'm thinking of, like, stone that's kind of ashy and flaky. Um, but I, you don't really hear about brimstone. I mean, I don't think you can go to the grocery store and just get brimstone. I think you got a special order of that. Um, but, you know, pick a Bible verse from Revelation or there's some good stuff in Exodus where, and we talk about this on the podcast here and there, where the, um, the, the Pharaoh's magicians, Pharaoh's got like these magician dudes who just perform casual magic, um, with, you know, when they're like trying to one-up Aaron and, and Moses and stuff. And their staffs turn into snakes. Like, no one talks about that. You never hear sermons about that. Um, but, you know, it's always, you know, First Timothy seven one or whatever, or Colossians this and this or yada yada yada. And I'm not opposed to dating a Christian, but it's just like, you know, it's it's not a one to one thing. It's one to two because it's you and her and Jesus, and it's just, you know, I don't I don't know if there's that much room in my relationship. Um, the profiles themselves are bad too. It's like. Girls have really taken it upon themselves across the board in dating apps, but it seemed even worse in Alabama to just put, like, zero effort into the dating profiles. And then they wonder why they never meet anybody cool. Well, the cool people, unlike myself, are more selective with their swiping. You know, the, it, but this, the, the, the amount of profiles that I saw down there, and you see this, you know, occasionally here and there, but just, like, seemed like a third of the profiles, where it's just every... Girl is just rocking the selfie game, and that's it. And it's like, what are you hiding, you know? What? what, what? Or, or you get the, especially you go to college towns, you get the girls who are just like, every photo is a group photo. And I'm, I feel like I'm playing Clue just to figure out who it was. You know, it's bleach blonde in the Roll Tide tank top in the Bryant Denny Stadium, right? It's got to be it, because that's, that's literally every picture of everyone's dating profile down there. Um, we're going to be talking about females and pictures in a, in a little bit here, though. I got something else for you there. Uh, oh, I saw this a couple of times. Big on, like, conspiracy theories. I'm trying to remember some of the big ones. Like, moon landing was fake. I saw that a couple of times. 9-11 was fake. I don't, even, I don't even really understand the association... Because it seems like a somewhat of a right-wing, conservative Christian thing. Not across the board, but just more than anything else. I see that kind of group prolificating. Uh, prolificate. P-R-O-L-I-F-I-G-A-T-E. That sort of message. And I'll take a brief pause here to mention today is the first palindromic date in 909 years. Today is 02022020. February 2nd, 2020, same forwards as it is backwards. Now, that is pretty damn cool. But back to the rant here. Um, at, like, what's the, what's the game there? What's the angle? Is it just, like, trying to sow distrust in what we're told? But, like, why? I don't, I don't get it. If we could get a conservative Christian right talk show radio host on here to answer some of those questions that would be much appreciated um and they're god-fearing you know which i don't even why why would you like what's the what's the appeal of a god where you want to be god-fearing right what who wants to live in fear and this there seems to be like god can just go for any emotion that he wants because you're supposed to be god-fearing but he's also a loving God, right? There's a whole Bible verse that just says God is love. It's three words. Like someone was feeling lazy that day. Not as bad as Jesus wept, but still. Um, what this balance between love and fear? Like those are not. I don't. I, I've thought about this every which way in the last five seconds, and to me, those just seem to not be compatible. So why are you talking about your, 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 your Tinder profile, you know? Um, all, what, I, what I'm getting at here is I feel like anytime you hear Alabama or you see Alabama in like a TV show or a movie, you're getting like 
the bleach blonde, swimsuit models, cheerleaders, OMG, Southern Charm, Southern Belle, Reese Witherspoon, Josh Lucas, Sweet Home Alabama. And frankly, that was not my experience. It was just, man. So I ran the numbers. I actually um, found the uh, a list of U.S. states by um, percentage obesity, and Alabama is in the bottom five. So these things I found to be true. The other thing about this is, I I'm, I don't even, I'm not immediately turned off by by overweight women. Myself being an overweight man, um, I, I feel like you know. I gotta kind of keep all my options open here, but there's there's a difference between like being overweight but knowing you know your good angles and how to work it and wearing a great outfit and you can still look super cute and all that stuff, and just like being overweight to the point where you're just man, not not trying to do any sort of fat shaming here. I don't think overweight people are worth less. Than thin people or athletic people, it's just you gotta you gotta get you know you gotta know how to take the pictures right, right? That's all I'm saying. These these college kids, man, they'll learn. Hey, when I was eighteen, nineteen, I didn't even have a Tinder, and I wasn't banned from Tinder yet. Um, I did have. <laughs> this is still a somewhat ongoing conversation. <laughs> It's just silly because I'm in Chicago now. Uh, but I was on Bumble and Bama. And speaking of overweight ladies, I matched with this one lady who was um, overweight, but I found to be very cute. And <laughs> she was she was basically the amalgamation of all the things I just talked about. Um, had something on her profile about conspiracy theories, but then everything else is like Christian, 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 boom, boom, boom. And the pictures were actually nice. She's very cute. Um, but I decided because I didn't really get going with a conversation with her until after I'd already left Alabama. And um, Alabama is one of those states where I just, you know, you don't really want to go back uh, anytime soon, um, if ever. I think I've been there two or three times in my life. And that just, it feels like two or three times too many. Um, we'll leave it at that. But I was talking to this one, one girl, and I figured, you know, if I'm not if I'm not serious about meeting with any of these girls I'm talking to down in Bama because I'm not there anymore, you might as well have some fun with it, right? So I started. <laughs> I don't remember how we got on the topic, but um, she said something about public school, and I mentioned, and this is true. Oh, the only public school I've ever gone to is a community college. While I was in high school for a couple classes, and I was like, oh, it was awful. They taught evolution in biology class, and she was into it. She was like, oh, my God, that's awful. I'm a big, you know, Clarence Darrow fan um, or William Jennings Bryan, whichever one is which, and we really hit it off. Um, I, I think she really turned her on, frankly. Turned me on. All that, uh, you know, evolution talk and dinosaurs and humans roaming the earth at the same time. That's good stuff, man. Um, but that's that's Alabama, and that's how easy it was to just really get the conversation going. So I don't know if there's something like that in Chicago. You'd be like Free Blagojevich or something to really get the ladies going. That hasn't traditionally worked for me in the past, but um, I'll keep trying. Uh, the The towns themselves in Alabama are just, man... Like, total, just garbage. Like, and I, I, I have friends who have somewhat positive opinions of Birmingham. And to be honest, I didn't spend more than just a couple minutes in it. Um, so this is, we'll, we'll exclude Birmingham from this, from the rest of this rant here. But um, driving around Tuskegee and a little bit, Tuscaloosa, um, it's like the Rust Belt, but way worse. I mean, just so run down. Just, just like the streets are dead, like tumbleweeds rolling in the street, no people. I mean, Alabama might be the least redeemable state in the union. You think about it, like, what has it got? Leonard Skinner wrote a song about it, and Reese Witherspoon made that movie 
with the same title, Sweet Home Alabama. And Scott Joplin has a, a rag called A Breeze from Alabama, which is pretty neat. Otherwise, it's like, what? This, I mean, this just like what? what is good about Alabama? There's just nothing, man. In fact, when I was talking about it to people this week after I got back, I was like, oh, yeah, it's got some, you know, national forests. I hiked around one. You know, they're kind of neat. But it's just like there wasn't anything actually great about the national forest. It was just like any other forest. But when you're in Alabama, that's like the highlight. That should be a – that should tell you a little something about how I felt. Um, I mean, I, I drove around Tuskegee for like half an hour. Before I got there, and I was kind of, I was, I was intrigued. I'd never been to Tuskegee before, but, you know, it's a very historic name and place. And, I mean, it, 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 I'm not even joking. Tuskegee literally looks like Sherman's March to the Sea just went right through yesterday. Um, because it's just, everything's run down. Every shop looks like it's been closed since... 1957 and I mean that type of like town to me is really interesting and you can see that in Chicago for sure um, and and way more in Baltimore but you know you have these storefronts and you know mini uh, malls and stuff where you know the, the places inside look so beat up and run down and you can't tell if they're open or closed, but the bigger thing is you're like, how do these, how do these businesses afford rent or, or just pay their bills? Or like, how do you have someone who works in there and makes a living by working in there? Granted, you need like seven grand a year to live in Alabama, and I think the median income is like fourteen thousand or something. But there's this one barber shop that was like. Boarded up, but it had a sign that said, come on in, we're open. It was like very, very, um, you know, flickering lights and stuff. So I looked it up, and according to Google Maps, it's a it's an actual place. You didn't have a website or anything, but it's real. You know, how do barbershops... Here's a, here's a, here's a question for you. The barbershop model historically, but more specifically currently does not seem like a sustainable business model. Like if you're a barber, I mean, who's a bar? Like could barbers pay the bills? I feel like you're not able to give enough haircuts in a day at, you know, a whatever price point to pay the bills. Maybe I'm wrong, but especially a place like that, you know, obviously you're just catering to the locals and people who know you no matter what. And it's not people who are just wandering around town looking for a barbershop and they're like, oh, this place looks like it might be open. Because if you're just wandering around, you'd be like, I'm going to stay as far away from that place as possible because it looks like I'm going to get, you know, shaken down or something if I step foot near there. It just... But Tuskegee is like a town full of a hundred of those barber shops. Not literally, but that's what it looks like. And it's just, I just don't get it. I don't know. Maybe I don't have the firmest grasp on city planning and business organization and structure and all that stuff, but it's fascinating to me. It literally looks like William Tecumseh Sherman just went through there, torched the city, and it was the day after. Except I don't even think Sherman's March to the Sea wasn't even in Alabama. My analogy really makes no sense, but that's how I feel anyways. Alabama makes no sense. Um, the food, I mean, this circles back to me feeling like 75% of the people I saw down there were overweight. Because you look at the food they're serving, and when I was at... Uh, Tuskegee, I think it was. Yeah. You get dinner served to you beforehand. There's like a restaurant attached in the the student union or wherever we were. And you go there and you look at the options. And I'm pretty confident that no one in Alabama has ever had a healthy meal in their life. 
I mean, you go down the buffet options, and here's what you got. So, kudos to to Tuskegee because they had iceberg lettuce um, versus just no vegetables at all. They had iceberg lettuce and just this huge, had to have been two gallon. I don't want to call it a a bucket. You know, a bowl is more appropriate, but it felt like a big old bucket of ranch. So just, you know, you look at the size of the salad bowl compared to the the bowl for ranch, and that's a an early indicator of sort of what you're dealing with here. Um, you move on. Three kinds of protein. You got fried chicken, different kind of fried chicken, and another different kind of fried chicken. And it's like I know, you know, look, we're in the deep south, Mama's cooking fried chicken, but just like, what's the what's the appeal of having fried chicken all the time? That's just tough on your gut. It's just so much extra unnecessary. You take a food that I have all the time, chicken, and something that's pretty damn good for you, and essential protein, amino acid building blocks for your muscles. It was me kissing my bicep there. And you take it and you just drown it in oil. And I'm not sitting here like, oh, fried chicken, gross. I hate it. No, it's delicious. But apparently in Alabama, people are having that like every day instead of just regular chicken. And you're adding, you know, hundreds of calories each time you you bite in. And it's just, I don't, how, how can you do that? Two dessert tables. Just every kind of cake and pie and sweet cream custard and cheesy grits, whatever. I don't really understand grits. I don't want to. You could ever imagine. And then um, you you got your your pitcher of sweet tea on the table. Every pitcher had a thing of sweet tea. And there was no, um, this was fun, there was no like water option. Nothing on the table, nothing hanging out around the like buffet. Just nope. You got sweet tea, which is basically water, but with flavor and you know another cup of sugar in there. And it's just like this is, this is the option. This is Alabama. <sighs> Let me take a second here, in my rant here, um, to just. Give a shout out to Mississippi because, and here's why, it's still one of my least favorite states, Mississippi. But I think a lot of people just lump, especially people who aren't from the South, just lump um, Alabama and Mississippi together. Be- I mean, to be fair, they're almost identical. They're also like mirror images of each other. If you just look at the, um, they're like geographic shapes. It's really fascinating. But here's the thing. A lot of people think Mississippi is the worst. And I mean, to be fair, it's the absolute epitome of everything that's wrong with this country. But here's the bottom line. Mississippi is like very aware from my time spent there of just how I was about to swear, but I realize we haven't given our listener discretion as advice when listening to this Beantown podcast. Number one, we'll occasionally use some foul language. Number two, this podcast is objectively terrible. Mississippi knows they're like completely shitty, and they they embrace that fact. Alabama, on the other hand, is just as completely shitty as Mississippi, but they think like, oh, sweet home Alabama, welcome home, y'all, welcome home, y'all, like. Oh, Leonard Skinner, we wrote a cool song about us. Reese Witherspoon made that movie 20 years ago. Our football team, roll tide, y'all. And, like, what Alabama doesn't realize is they're actually the worst state in the union. And in their defense, they didn't even want to be part of the union. But thanks to Abraham Lincoln, they still are. Or or he welcomed them back in. So it's just... That's the big. That's the big thing between uh, the big difference between Alabama and Mississippi. Because if they both just embraced how awful they were, then they could be tied for you know number fifty in in the worst state of all time. But Alabama thinks they're cool. Alabama thinks they're actually like a fun place to be. When in reality, they're just it's a 
God forsaken land. Um, I did, I mentioned earlier, I went to Talladega. It's about a 90 minute drive from Tuscaloosa. I learned um, in a conversation this morning with someone that, that they didn't even know Talladega was a real place. Um, yeah, it's, it's a city in Alabama, a pretty small city, um, probably like 20,000 people or something. And the racetrack is Talladega, <coughs> Talladega International Speedway. It's the biggest track in NASCAR. It's about 2.7 miles, something like that, tri-oval. It's huge. Uh, it takes like a minute to get around, a little bit longer than that maybe. Um, even you know you, That's one of the tracks you, where you can hit 200 miles per hour when you're racing. It's pretty neat. But uh, I go to Talladega because I've never been before. And I do like NASCAR. Daytona 500 is in two weeks, maybe. And you drive out there, and you can see it from, you know, a mile away, right? It's this huge grandstand that fits 80,000 people. But you can't really get close to the track because you turn in to, like, the drive. You know, it looks like you're about to go into an airport or something. And all of a sudden, you can't you can't even get you know closer than a couple hundred yards from the track itself before they got like the toll booth looking thing that's like the entrance. And of course, I'm you know I'm rolling in there at 6 p.m. on a Wednesday night, like it's it's closed. Um, you know you can't. There's no way around it. There's no way through. So yes, if you're putting it together and you're thinking, gee, did Quinn drive 90 minutes one way to get to a racetrack? that he likes just to barely see it from a couple hundred yards away and then take a picture and then drive 90 minutes back? The answer is yes. The answer is absolutely yes. Here's the thing. I've been to other um, NASCAR tracks, and, you know, I'm not expecting to be able to drive my personal vehicle on the tracks, although that would be a nice perk. But, like, you go to Dover, um, the Monster Mile, in uh, out there in Delaware, you can just drive right up to the track and you're just looking at, you know, like a, you know, you go to a football stadium or something. No, I'm not going to be walking around right on the field, but you can get up on the outside and take pictures and it's cool. Um, Daytona Beach, you can get pretty close. It's just like, why does, you know, what, what are you hiding, Talladega? That's my question. Because this is supposed to be like a, the Mecca for white people like myself. But I can't even get close. So I got a picture, and that was it. Disappointing. Um, one, one highlight was um, that I did get to see an actual real-life plantation with working black slaves. That was pretty neat. Um, yeah, only in Alabama. Um, no, I'm kidding. It doesn't exist. Not overtly, at least, you know. A lot of implicit stuff going on there, but um, I mentioned the, how bad the online dating was. I'm just reading through my notes here. And a lot, again, a lot of this was uh, written half asleep. Um, but yeah, I, I there wasn't a lot of online dating action, even in the college towns. Um, I was getting almost no matches. Now it's worth it's worth mentioning that that's not like a specific to Alabama thing. That's been true at all the states I've gone to, all 49 of the states I've gone to. But I wanted to mention it anyways, just in case anyone was thinking, you know, hey, Quinn, look, you've had a rough time on the dating scene lately. Maybe Alabama's going to be the spark you need to really kick your love life into high gear. Well, check it off the list cause, or cross it off the list because we've, by process of elimination, effectively eliminated that one. All, I'm, all, all I want to say here to finish up is that very simple one-word statement for how I feel about this state, and it is as follows. Alabama is proof that there is no God. All right, that's my rant on Alabama. What we're going to do right now, apologies to anyone who lives there who is actually like, oh, but I actually think it's kind of cool. Because when you live in a place long enough, you know, you discover your local hangs and you figure out what you like, what you don't like in your barbershop that's boarded up but still open because support local business, I get it. But it's just like, man, that whole state is just... Again, going back to what I said earlier, there's nothing 
redeeming about it. The best part was the forests. And you can get forests anywhere. These ones just happen to be nice in comparison to the rest of the state. And, you know, fried chicken is cool, but I can eat fried chicken in a lot of places. I just, I don't, I've thought about this for like 20 minutes, both on and off the air, trying to think like, what is there in Alabama that's actually like, oh, this is like, oh yeah, this is cool. I got nothing. I got absolutely nothing. I'll keep thinking. I don't, they got a lot of cool Confederate in slavery history. Okay. Prefer to not think about that stuff. <sighs> Jesus Christ. All right. Let's, uh, let's read some ads here. Uh, do this quickly and then uh, got a couple other rants, you know. I'm on the war path today, all right? So shut up and listen. Are you tired of selling your house for less than a quarter of what it's worth all because you couldn't find a reliable home inspector in time? That's supposed to be a question, but I ended it like a statement. Well, Oregon listeners, there's good news. Home Pride Inspection Services in Bend, Oregon is Central Oregon's hottest new home inspection provider with inspection services, including things better be writing this down, like heating and cooling, roofing, plumbing, and so much more. You get all that? Good. Home Pride Oregon is both contractor certified and home inspection certified, so you know you're getting the good stuff. If you're tired of big real estate's angle hold on the home inspection market and you want a safe, certified home inspector that you can trust, call Steve at 541-410-0316 or visit homeprideoregon.com. Again, that's 541-410-0316 or visit HomePrideOregon.com. Home Pride Oregon Inspection Perfection. Shout out to the Samson Q2U series. We talked about the Bible a little bit earlier today. Um, fun verses. You're going to get a fun verse in Genesis 1-1. You're going to get a fun verse in Revelation 25-11 or whatever the last verse of the Bible is. I don't know. I never sat down and just read Revelation. I bet there's some pretty trippy stuff in there. A lot of brimstone. I feel like we already talked about this today. Uh, from Genesis to Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all the way to 1st and 2nd Peter, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And why? Here's, okay, here's a quick question. So John's got, you know, four books to himself in the Bible. He's got John. First John, second John, third John. But who decided, you know, because, you know, this John guy's probably writing a lot. So how did we decide that John's going to get three letters, Peter's going to get two, but then, you know, Timothy, Timothy gets two, Jude only got one, Philemon only got one. Philemon's the shortest book in the Bible, I think. You know, it's like Colossians, Colossus of Rhodes. Anyways, you get it. You know, why does John get three? Like, plus, plus a gospel. Man, this guy's cashing in. He's got like a quarter of the New Testament on lockdown. Bastard. Um, this, the Scott Farrell audiobook is coming along. I was home. You guys will be proud of me and it's hopefully show my dedication to this project. Um, I was in Chicago one night this week, right? Because I flew to Atlanta on Monday night, Tuesday, Wednesday in Alabama, Thursday, Chicago, Friday and Saturday night in, in uh, Texas. Um, Thursday night I spent doing a couple different things, but I was at home the whole time and I recorded an hour of the Scott Farrell audiobook, um, which comes out to like 20 pages, something like that, 20, 25 pages. Uh, so we're about three to three and a half hours in, something like that right now, um, which, you know, considering this is a project I started at the beginning of January, you're probably thinking, gee, Quinn, you're slacking, you're lazy, that's not a lot. Let me tell you something. When you, if you never recorded an audiobook before, and I never have until this project, it's a bitch, um, really hard. Just like, I mean, the book itself sucks, and it's really not that entertaining. Um, but also just, you know, doing that, doing it that long, you're not used to talking. As much as I do talk out loud for this podcast, 
Uh, I mean, it's usually, you know, I can say whatever I want, whereas I'm reading this book, I've got to be laser focused. And what doesn't help, here's something no one's talking about, is I lost my glasses. So after a while, stuff just starts to blur together. So I'm doing my best. Maybe not every line is 100%, but eh, we're doing it live anyways. Um, cuts by Q. Oh, here we go. This one has a song attached to it. I think you'll like it. Bob and Weave, we all know the hairstyle and we all love it. But how many Chicago-based independent barbers can actually give it to you the way you deserve? Enter Cuts by Q. It's just like Enter Sandman, but different. Cuts by Q has been independently owned and operated since 1995 and is probably one of the better barbershop operations serving Chicago, Cook County, and the greater Chicago land area. From beehives to bangs, faux hawks to flat tops and everything in between, just call Cuts by Q at 815-298-7200 or you can email cutsbyq at yahoo.com. Again, that's Cuts, Q-U-T-Z, by Q at yahoo.com. Oh, and you need a fresh do, something snappy and new, just call the experts at Cuts by Q. Go. All right, let's jump right back in here because I tell you what, the, the sooner we finish this, the sooner I can get it on the internet and then I can take a quick shower followed by hopefully a nap. What time is it right now? One thirty-eight. I got to leave at like 4. Eesh. Less time than I wish I had. If I can get a 60-minute nap in, I'll be happy. Um, I went to bed at like 11-something last night. Woke up at 4 this morning. So it's not like I didn't sleep at all, right? I got, you know, four-plus hours of sleep, four to five hours, which in grad school is a full night's sleep. Nowadays, not so much. Um, I just, the whole week with the Alabama stuff and a lot of driving, um, I just haven't felt well-rested well in uh, in a while here. So, taking the the sleep when I can get it. Um, Okay, these are just a couple more random thoughts, and they're not related to Alabama, but I just want everyone to know about them anyways. I'm going to move through them pretty quickly. You can love me or hate me, but this is how I feel. Um, Starting off, if you fly to St. Louis from Chicago, then you deserve everything you got coming to you. Like, just... You'd be like, I was in Austin this morning, and you see flights to Houston, and it's like... Just, just stop. Just make a different choice. Um, Marco Rubio, you probably saw his quote about impeachment stuff, and here's how I feel. Marco Rubio is a little bitch, not because he's you know a Republican, but because he claims that if a president commits impeachable offenses, it doesn't matter as long as. It's for the good of the country for him to stay in power. Which, I mean, what like what the hell does that mean? I thought, you know, Dershowitz made the... the Whatever his argument was earlier this week, I was like, oh my God, like he, no one's going to top that. That's like the worst thing I've ever heard. And then Marco Rubio just came out and was like, hold my beer or whatever he drinks. Marco Rubio was the guy with the glass of water. Remember, he gave the Republican response to the State of the Union address back in whatever that was, 2012 or something like that, 2011. Um, <laughs> you got you to watch this on YouTube if you don't remember. Just search Marco Rubio Water. Um, I'm just going to let you discover it for yourself. Take take 30 seconds out of, the, of listening to the podcast. Uh, we're almost done anyway, so you can just watch it afterwards. Um, oh, here's something. Okay, so Instagram fitness models... It's a big thing. I get more of it on my Instagram page than I want to, just from, like, ads and then, like, the recommended searches and stuff. I think what happens is you, you click on one of them, and then it just floods your, your like, recommended search with all of that stuff. And like, give me a, you know, you know, Reddit it up a little bit here. You know, give me, give me a little bit more diversified portfolio with my, my recommended searches. But no, they're not really interested in that. Okay, so here's how I feel about Instagram fitness models. If you're able, because they always get super dolled up, all the makeup, hairs on fleek, as they would say. If you're able to keep all that makeup going during your workout, then you're not, you're not doing a real workout. Like, 
I'm not saying you can't be pretty and have a good workout, but if you look just as hashtag flawless at the start of your workout as you do at the end of your quote workout, then I don't really know, you know, you probably, you're not really getting anything out of that workout other than just likes from all the, you know, horny men watching your stories and stuff. And okay, another thing, can we just like, can we quit it with the whole just work out the ass and nothing else routine? Because I feel like that's 95% of the Instagram fitness pages I see. It's it's all just got to get as big of a butt as possible. And I don't really under, like, I just, I don't get it. All you do are, you know, glute workouts and hamstring workouts and squats and every million variations on squats that there is. There are so many other things to work out. Look, when these Instagram fitness models die of heart disease at you know, 85 because they never did any real cardio, I'm not going to come to their funeral. And, I mean, so, okay, so I wasn't going to be invited anyways because I you know, died 25 years ago in a bizarre competitive baking accident or something, but I'm still not coming, and I wanted them to know. Um, here's something I feel very passionately about, and it's relevant to something I've mentioned probably a year or two years ago on the podcast. Sidewalk et- etiquette is what it's related to. I'm going to expand it more broadly. But in general, I feel like people, and I notice this a lot because I live in a big city with tons of sidewalks and I also spend a lot of time at the airport. But people got to learn to walk like you are supposed to drive on the highway, right? If you're going to change lanes, you don't just change lanes, right? You check your mirrors, check over your shoulder to prevent blind spots, you signal, you make a controlled lane change. I can't tell you the amount of times every week, either on the sidewalk or at the airport or wherever you go, where people are just all over the the walkway. They're just migrating from one end to the other. Sometimes they have music going, sometimes they don't. But they, they'll just, you know, change through the different walking lanes without any, you know, no checking, no, oh, is somebody right behind me and I just can barely not see them. Maybe this is just me, but anytime, you know, or like if I, you know, okay, let's say, I, let's do this. I'm walking in the airport and I'm walking behind a person who's going slower than me. So naturally, you're going to go around them, right? Well, you don't, at least I don't, I don't just go around them looking ahead the whole time. If you're going to move slightly to your left or to your right, well, you should look. Because if, you know, what if someone is running up behind you with a big old cup of coffee, and you if you move out at just the right time, boom, you're going to nail them, and everyone's going to be upset. And it's going to cause a lot of problems. I can't tell you the amount of times I get cut off or bumped into because people are just changing lanes without looking. Like, is it so hard to just, you don't even have to do a full head turn. We're talking, I'm doing it right now. We're talking like, I don't know, they're what, 90 degrees in a, like a half angle. Um, all you need is like a 45 degree turn to just, you give your peripheral vision just a little glance over the shoulder just to make sure there's no one who's like right on your side and then you just do it. I do that when I'm walking. I do that when I'm running. You don't just move into a new lane of traffic without checking. It's just terrible practice and it happens so much. We're trying to live in a society and people just don't care. Um, Here's my last thing I'm going to say. Because this podcast went like 48 minutes longer than I thought it was going to. Um, okay. And this is, it's been this way for a couple of years now. But on United, you all know this, you have to pay to bring a, on a, a carry-on bag, which is not the way it's supposed to be. United, you are Spirit Airlines, but 
you just paid more money to have Rhapsody in Blue be your theme song. Get the hell out of here. Okay? All right? Sound good? Good. I needed this. It's a good release. Hey, whenever you're listening, whether it's before or after the Super Bowl, maybe it's Monday morning at work, Quinn poured his heart out so you don't have to. And that's my rant episode. Happy Groundhog Day. It's also Super Bowl Sunday. I didn't want to just spend a podcast talking about that because I'm really not that, you know, I think it'll be a fun game, but I don't care that much. Uh, I'm trying to remember what I said for my final score prediction. I think I'm calling 35-34 Niners is what I'm saying. Um, We'll see. It should be fun. Something like I would be surprised if there were more than two or three field goals in the entire game. So I'm thinking either I'm picking Niners regardless, but I think think like 35-34 or like 38-35, something like that. Uh, want the Chiefs to win. I won't be upset if the Niners win. I think the Niners are going to win. Um, but we'll see. It should be fun. Okay, everyone, that's what I got for you. Uh, we're going to turn it over to yours truly to play us out. Uh, if you have any questions, email us, beantownpodcast at yahoo.com. Again, it's beantown, B-A-N-T, and a podcast at yahoo.com. And we'll love to hear from you. Uh, Oscar special next week. Pledge Drive Fundraiser annual telethon in two weeks. That's what's coming up here on the podcast. Be nice to everyone else. Uh, if you go to Alabama, just good luck and Godspeed. Okay, that's all I want to say. Everyone take care. Have a good one. And I'll check in on you next time. <laughs>